Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have best-selling author Rosaline Bosco. And Rosaline and I have an interesting conversation about the concept of hell and that she has proof from the ancient texts from her country that there is no hell, that that is an illusion, that that is an idea that has been perpetrated upon humanity for thousands of years. Now, I want you to approach this episode with an open mind. It might shake the foundations of your beliefs. It might not. But either way, listen and see what rings true to you. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Rosalind Bosco. How are you doing, Rosalind? I'm doing fine, Alex. Thank you for inviting me to the show. I'm thank really so- happy to join you here today. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate this. And I appreciate you staying up uh, late over in India uh, to do this conversation. So I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. So your 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 work is fascinating because uh, one of your first books here that I read was the Brimstone Fallacy, which is uh, we're going to dive into a little bit. But you also do a lot of work in the consciousness and and trying to raise consciousness for uh, the West and the East, for that matter. Uh, but my very first question to you is diving into that the first concept of heaven and hell and all that stuff. Why are good people not always rewarded? And why bad people are not always punished in our lives. In other words, why do good things happen? Bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that was the question that got me started off in the first place. Mm-hmm. And at one point of time in my life, when my mother lost her leg, her leg was amputated due to the mistake of a doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh and later she lost her life due to cancer. So that uh, started off a lot of questions in me. And uh, she was a, a very good, holy, kind woman who would never speak a bad word or, or, or uh, ill about anybody. So, and she was a very soft-natured woman. So this was the first thing that affected me very deeply and probably my uh, quest started there and I realized that I I did not know everything so all the social conditioning that may had made me believe till that point of time that good people will be rewarded and bad people will be punished was uh, certainly proved wrong So that started a barrage of questions. 
And now we have a lot of people uh, talking about reincarnation and uh, all these things. And uh, so I also think that oh, there are two parts, there are, there are two sides to the same coin. One could be uh, the reincarnation part. The other could be your soul's purpose to learn. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we look at it from the Eastern point of view, uh, we think of uh, karma and uh, coming back and doing our lessons again and evolving our consciousness. And another could be the purpose of the soul to do something for humanity, to be with the people uh, whom the soul loves as a spirit guide and to guide people. So um, I think the, the basic idea that good things happens to happen to good people uh, is not uh, correct in my point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't, and generally it's part of the soul's journey to learn. And it, from yeah. the outside, it could be like, well, that person was so beautiful. Like your mother didn't hurt a fly yeah. and bad things happened to her. But that, yeah. according from the Eastern point of view of reincarnation, it is her path and her choice to go through these things to learn and grow in this life, correct? Yeah. Yes, yes. But then I believe that... Uh, the soul also has a purpose. So uh, my mother's soul might have had a specific purpose to be with us and to uh, help us evolve. So it could be, these are two different facets of the same concept, I would say. The way of looking at it from the Eastern point of view and another way of looking at it from the point of view of the soul's purpose. Right. Yes. So in other words, so in other words, it's a, you get a two for one. She grows as a soul and she also helps you start you down on a path because without yes. her going through this, you would have maybe never yes. even asked those questions. Correct. Yes, definitely. Alex. Yeah. I would have, I would have just been a puppet who would have been just socially conditioned to accept everything that the church and other people told me. That's an interesting concept too, because there's so much that, you know, I've said this on the show before is that, you know, our belief system is basically programmed into us since we were born. And yes. we are just a, a result of the conditioning and the environment that we were born into wherever you are. And, and you know, you could be Christian, Muslim, Hindu, it, you know, wh whatever your family is, that's what you are. Only yes. later in life, you become more if you're if you are curious more um you question a lot more of the things yeah. and you start thinking yes. well that doesn't feel right to me anymore I, I well wait a minute what what are this billion other people over here in india are thinking a little bit different than i was well, what are they doing different are they all going to hell because they don't believe in what i believe and vice versa so it, it, you start thinking outside the box a little bit but that's scary yes. but that's extremely scary for most people because it it rocks the foundation of their entire existence. And then you, then they're like, well, wait a minute. My mom's not wrong. My dad is not wrong. How dare you? And then that's where fights begin <laughs> and wars, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when the basic foundation is dropped, even I, I was not able to come to this mindset 
for so many years in my life. It took me a very long time and a number of incidents to bring me to this place where now I strongly believe, especially after uh, looking at so many near-death, hundreds and hundreds of near-death experiences where I've come to believe that uh, this is what is true and not what we have been taught and conditioned to believe. So my next question is, is hell real? Because that is a concept in the West specifically. And I think in many other religions as well, there is a concept of this place, but I'm, I'm not as educated in the other religions. But uh, in hell, I was taught hell was real in first grade, and I was terrified uh, as a child mm -hmm. about this concept of hell. I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. And that's exactly what it was built to do. But I'd love to hear from your point of view, is hell real? Hell is definitely not real, Alex. Mm. So uh, I think we experienced hell right here on earth. It is not that you will have to go somewhere else to or it, it is after your death that we need to experience hell. We experience heaven and hell every moment of our lives and every day. It, it, it is our choice to experience heaven or hell wherever we are. And it has to do with consciousness mm -hmm. because what you believe and uh, what we uh, think and our expectations and again, how we have been uh, conditioned uh, based on gender or status or so many other things makes us believe that something is hell or heaven. There are, there are poor people who live happy lives, who lead, who lead contented lives. So you could be happy wherever you are and create heaven for yourself. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So, and this, I think, could carry on even after death. The consciousness that you carry could carry on uh, extent even after death, where you could, we could experience all those fears and all those negative elements that we have had in our lives, experienced in our lives without getting rid of them. When we cross, when a person crosses over, I think he or she carries, carries this. So that's why many near-death experiences, when they, uh, when uh, when they are in a situation which is like hell, then some of them immediately uh, pray to God. Uh, they are they get that uh, compulsion to pray to God, and finally they see a grain of light and uh, they move on. So this. Well, yeah, that's very interesting because you. You've you've obviously studied a lot of near death experiences. I've spoken to many near death experiencers on the show, mm -hmm. and I've had a few that have seen hell in their in their near death experience. Yeah. One specifically reminded me that she's like, I created that for myself because of my belief system that I felt that I needed to go through that hell. And once I decided I didn't want to do it anymore, and I asked for help, that's when that little speck of light came in. And yeah, I was transformed definitely. out of it. Out of all your experiences in near-death, uh, with, with near-death experiencers, is that a common thing? Because generally near-death experiencers don't stay in a hell and then come back. Yes. They, there is some yes. sort of 
redemption, if you not redemption, but some sort of elevation in vibration to the point where you get to a light of some sort, an angel, a yeah. being, something comes yeah. and saves you and pulls you out of that. Or do is there or do you have any in your any cases that they went to hell, stayed in hell, and then when they came back from hell, they were just woken up and they just never saw any heaven or any positive place. I don't remember anything of that kind, Alex. So mm -hmm. whenever they uh, uh, plead to God, I mean, when when they uh, uh, say, Jesus save me or any God of their choice, whichever mm -hmm. God of their choice, I mean, immediately they see the light and then, but then the light review is always there. So uh, uh, if you think that is a part of hell or something like that, then, but then again, even in the life review, only your soul, you judge yourself, you uh, evaluate yourself based on what happened in your life. So I don't think anybody was has been stuck in hell uh, for a very long time, uh, unable to escape from that and come and has come back straight from that experience. So what you're telling me is Dante has lied to us all these years. <laughs> <laughs> well isn't isn't it, honestly isn't dante responsible for the current idea of hell in the western mind was those books inferno and so on yeah to a certain extent yeah it's good marketing good good marketing <laughs> they, you know they came, they came up with the hell but he really painted a picture of the seven layers of hell and you have to go yes. through it and all this damnation and all this stuff yeah which, you know, I was raised Catholic. I'm a recovering Catholic, uh, as I always say on the show. And the the concept of the Old Testament in in, uh, in the in the Western Bible in regards to the punishing God, the jealous God, the vengeful God, the all of this stuff goes against anything I can even feel in my bones because as a parent, you just would yeah. never do anything like that, no matter what your child did. You would never yes. throw them into a pit of hell. You would never punish them forever. That is not what love is. So, yes. so in other words, I'm going to ask you the question, does God rain down catastrophes and natural disasters and disease as a form of punishment to people? Because so many people, maybe people listening right now, believe that truly in their heart. I, I think people have of foisted their own image, human image on God. So human characteristics. So they uh, it's just a personification of God as a human being. But when you take the Bible and when you take, uh, uh, in every place you see Jesus talking about forgiveness and Jesus talking about unconditional love. So, uh, I mean, the damage that all these years has been done to the psyche of the people is, is too much. And that is what prompted me to write this book in the first place, because I rebelled against the idea of a punishing God. I couldn't accept that kind of a God because there were so many experiences, real experiences, which I had where God, uh, I felt the love of God so much 
Right. So uh, my real life experience was completely contrary to what people were telling me. And that is how I couldn't reconcile with the idea and I uh, made it a point to try to let it be known to people. Yeah, I mean, even if you just look at the ideas of the Ten Commandments or even of the Old Testament God, from a critical standpoint, he's very jealous. Um, he's very uh, vengeful. Um, he's insecure. Um, you know, it, it's it's a fast. If you just look at it from a psychological standpoint, the character yes. that is painted in those in those stories is extremely yes. vengeful, extremely insecure, extremely yes. egotistical in the way that it's like you must. I am the only one. You shall not. It, it it didn't make much sense to me. I was like, wow. But when Jesus showed up. Yes. And starts preaching all these things. Yes. He was a direct threat to everything that was brought before him. Hence what happened to him. Um, yes. But if you truly go through uh, his teachings, like Yogananda said, um, Jesus was crucified in one day, but his teachings have been crucified for over 2,000 years. Uh, it's extremely... <laughs> extremely true if you really listen to what jesus was talking about he was the first idea in the west at least that started to paint a picture of a different god uh and we use the word god for lack of a better source you know you know the one energy i am whatever whatever makes people feel comfortable because god is a very loaded word nowadays <laughs> because of all of this <laughs> yeah. programming that we've had over the years right <laughs> yes that is why i use the word universe instead of God co-create with your universe correct so I substitute I substituted the word uh, God with universe because I wanted to make it uh, something common for everybody to understand and connect with yeah so then the concept of um of the devil is just another character created to instill fear in the form of punishment towards us Yes, definitely. And I think Jesus was meant to come to uh, change that kind of consciousness or change that kind of an image that uh, religion, especially institutionalized religion, had painted about God. And uh, I think God himself wanted to, wanted uh, people to make an impact on the people to make a change in the minds of the people. And uh, that is why Jesus had to come. And he's a, he redeemed us from all those kind, kinds of beliefs which were built up by the Old Testament. And from my understanding, from my studies, you know, I, Jesus did spend time in India. Um, to my understanding, he spent time there um, learning, teaching, uh, learning and learning from yogis, learning meditation, learning these kind of concepts. These are ideas that, I mean, uh, Yogananda spoke about this because a lot of the things that he teaches are very Eastern. They are definitely not Western in idea, uh, the idea of that they, everything's within you. You have to go inward. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you. You can do whatever I can do even more. These concepts are definitely not Western. They lean more Eastern. And isn't Jesus very renowned in India and in the East? 
Yeah, Jesus, uh, there are a lot of institutions here which have been uh, uh, begun by Catholics and missionaries, Christians, and there are hospitals which have been um, initiated by people all over the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jesus is very well known and well received here, here in India. Uh, uh, speaking of, uh, see, when we think about, when we speak about reincarnation and uh, these kind of concepts. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, I don't uh, really, uh, I doubt whether a person has to be born in a particular, has to travel to a place or has to be born in a place to get these ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, it might, see, I believe that each one of us, when we awake at a particular point of time, we get, uh, we get all the knowledge that we carry over from the past. Mm -hmm. So, um, whatever it is. So I might have been born uh, uh, in, your, uh, in the US and you might have been born. Uh, we have had so many past lives and that mm. is what near-death experiences are telling us. So in that case, we, unless we have something to establish that Jesus really came to India, the point is that he might have learned it. He might have, he might have come with the wisdom and the understanding. Mm. that uh, we accumulate with all our experiences. And nowadays, you know, it must have been more difficult 2,000 years ago to come to this realization if there's no one teaching you how to access that knowledge, where in today's world, this information, like this conversation, is online. Yes. And anywhere, anybody yeah. in the world can hear this conversation yes. and it could trigger yes. um, a way to go down a path, start reading your books, yeah. start reading other books, start... Yes thinking yeah. about, start meditating and things open up. Yeah. But I'd imagine in, you know, two, 3,000 years ago, that was a much more difficult place if you only stayed in this one little patch mm -hmm. of land and never exposed to anything else. Yes, that is why we acknowledge him and appreciate him as a true revolutionary. Uh, because even though he had this uh, uh, to go within, he uh, carried this concept of going within and saying that the kingdom of God is within. Uh, in the Eastern part of the world, I, I'm not sure who carried all these revolutionary ideas as Jesus did. Like, uh, like turn your other cheek, well, yeah. when when you yeah, so this kind of uh, forgiving uh, forgiveness and unconditional love was unique to Jesus Christ. So, well, but yeah. in the Vedas, did they speak of anything like this in the Vedic text? In the Vedic text, uh, the Vedas are um, maybe just see Hinduism is a way of life, mm. so they have it ingrained in them. For example, uh, they are very tolerant. They practice vegetarian vegetarianism, and then there there are Jains who believe that they shouldn't even uh, harm an insect. So it is it is a way of a living for them. But um, 
I'm not sure whether it's explicitly mentioned as such mm. in the Vedic uh, text. As much as Jesus keeps on repeating over and over again through parables and through stories, and it was it's very, very simple. The mm. reason why uh, his Christ consciousness has become so widespread is because it's very simple to follow. Unlike the Vedic texts, which can be read and understood by a privileged few. Mm. So that is where uh, 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 there is a little bit of... Uh, so here in India, you you can't expect every everybody to be so knowledgeable as to know the meaning of Sanskrit in which the Vedas. Yeah, so even for me, I don't I'm I I don't know the language. I don't know Sanskrit. So as much as I know English, so it's uh, difficult for me to go and interpret and learn that language. But whereas. Uh, it is not so in the case of, uh, of Jesus. the Bible. Yeah, with with Jesus and his stories and the ideas that he was putting out. So he was yes. really from from my from my research as well. The simpler the explanation, uh, the more powerful yes. it is. If it gets too complex yes. to under, if I have yes. to explain it to you very deeply, sometimes it's it maybe there's something off. But like you said, those teachings of Jesus. Um, teachings from Yogananda, teachings from Buddha. These are very basic ideas to help. They're truths. They're truths essentially that that are yes. that ring true the second that you hear them. Um, it's it's pretty fa it's pretty fascinating how um, how Jesus was able to do what he was able to do at the time that he was able to do it. I mean, he only had a few years before they said, enough is enough. We got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> I mean, it was, he only, he only was, you know, really preaching his for a few years before he finally said, nope, I, you got to go. Because <laughs> it, yes. it was too much of a threat to the establishment. And, and, and from your point of view, I mean, the ideas of the Old Testament, the ideas of the established Western religions was about control. It was about power and control of the people. Fear. Fear is still being taught today every single time you turn your television on. Afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. The only truth is with me or by my product because this is the only way you're going to be able to survive this, this coming apocalypse. Of It's constant like that and you're keeping everyone fearful. Well, that's what the Bible was doing, Old Testament Bible at least, was doing uh, to control the masses because yes. power and so on. Yeah, uh, they might, the people at the highest level of hierarchy might have thought that this was the best way to make people listen to, uh, so the, uh, like, for example, uh, the Ten Commandments. So when they spoke about the Ten Commandments, they thought at that, see, even this I see as an evolution of consciousness science. Mm -hmm. So, see, at that point of time, people believed that this was the best way to take it to the people so that they would listen through fear. Mm. But then now we have begun to understand and we have begun to ask questions. And with the evolution of consciousness, we know that the idea of a punishing God is really fictitious. Mm. It, it's, it's wrong. 
And when you believe that God is your father, you lose the personal connection when you think that God is revengeful. So you have only fear and you hide from, and you hide from God. We hide from God. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that real connection with God. That that is not a real connection. But now, I, from my point of view, I feel that God is my Father who will forgive me my trespasses, as He has uh, uh, said in the, uh, as Jesus Christ has taught us in this uh, in His prayer. So I believe that hundred percent. So I have more connection with God as my Father. Even the idea of portraying uh, God as a father figure or based on gender is being questioned these days. Of course. Because ND experiences are showing that God is formless and uh, uh, God is pure light. And the angels and other uh, every aspirate guides, they assume forms according to their according to our our expectations and our belief systems so this is what is um, so we have come i think we have come a long way away from the punishing god and people i mean these nd experiences i think god himself is it's not an accident do you believe it's an accident it's no these are definitely not accidents yeah no there's no accidents at all and 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 I've, again from my experience talking to so many in the ears as well is that you know if you were catholic or a christian your entire life you know krishna is not going to show up for you like generally speaking yes. that's not yes. jesus I, I i have a running joke on the show jesus is the hardest working man uh, on the other side because he's everywhere he's always helping people he's always yeah. bringing people he's always in these near-death experiences yes. um but for others there's been buddha there's been krishna there's been yes. i mean then i started going deeper into indigenous near-death experiences where they've never heard of jesus we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show and i'm like who shows up for them how do they work through and, and their experiences of, of a near-death experience? It is pretty fascinating. And the one thing that you were saying, and I just want to kind of put an exclamation point on it, is that we that we pro- or people projected human frailties onto God as a character. Definitely. Definitely. And if people think that this is the only time it's happened, it's pretty much happened in every religion ever from Hinduism. I mean, there's a lot of uh, humanistic elements to a lot of the Hindu gods. I mean, the Greeks, hello, <laughs> Zeus, <laughs> Athena, all these. I mean, they were there was a soap opera going on on Mount Olympus. <laughs> you know, they were cheating on each other. They were having kids here and there. I mean, it was a pure yes. soap opera. So if you start looking at it from that point of view, you start to, if you look at it critically, and I know somebody listening right now, their foundation is they're fighting this. And it's okay. It's all right. You don't have to believe anything that we're saying. But if you start looking at it critically and you just start going, hmm, this is making sense. I might not like it, what they're saying, but this is starting to make sense. And maybe this is a seed that will start people at least becoming curious and reading and listening and watching more shows or listening to books or watching watching whatever to take them down a different path. Because like I said earlier in the day, I'm like, if, if you believe you're, if you have a, 
a belief system that is separate from others. That is a problem because God is all one. The concept of all of us, instead of I, it's a we. We are all together in this. We are all yes. connected. If I harm you, I'm harming myself. These yes. concepts, as, as Jesus said, do unto others as you would like to do unto you. Yes. Um, these kind of concepts, if it's separation or fear-based, maybe you should start looking into something. Maybe you should start thinking about things slightly differently. So I, I hope this helps in that manner. Um, now, I want to go into uh, consciousness because that is another area that you are very passionate about. What yes. began What began your journey to understanding consciousness? So what it, it, it specifically, what is your definition of consciousness? Consciousness is imperceptible. It is unconscious. It cannot be defined in the first place. Pure consciousness cannot be defined. But there are states of consciousness. Uh, the first state of consciousness, which you call the awake state, which is extroverted and uh, which makes you look at the outside world and uh, your activities, everyday activities. So that belongs to your gross body. That is the awake state. And then you have the dream state of consciousness where uh, your imagination and dreams come into play. And then you have the third phase, uh, phase of consciousness, which is the dreamless state, which is sometimes uh, uh, people say that it is a dark place, mm -hmm. but actually it is a dense place. It is, it is very dense. And, uh, and everything is, everything is silent there. But there is your pure consciousness, you will, you cannot call it the fourth state. That is called Turiya, the Mandukya Upanishad, which uh, was written after Christ, like first or second century AD, speaks about Turiya as unconditioned, unchangeable, non-dual, which is Advaita. So this Turiya, this consciousness shines upon just like a light, just like a flashlight. It shines upon all the three other states. So Turiya cannot be called the fourth level of consciousness, but it shines, it helps to show like a flashlight in a dark room, the true nature of all these three different states, the awake state, uh, the dream state, and the dreamless state. And these stem from this consciousness. And this Turiya is complete, uh, uh, it is divine. It is the divine part of every human being uh, that is pure consciousness and which is unconditioned. That is the my. That is, that's your definition. That's my definition of consciousness. So, so the concept of consciousness, because I've had 
so many people on the show talking about consciousness is a pretty fascinating deep well of of yeah. uh, discussion to say the least but when you look at it from trying to really get into it you're like okay I, if you look at yourself like i am okay i'm thinking i am thinking and then there's a voice inside of you saying certain things about you. Yeah, you're too fat. Uh, you're ugly. Uh, you're not smart enough. Well, that's the ego. That's the monkey brain talking. Yeah. Yes. But there is something else behind that that is is aware of everything and watching everything. Yes. Yes. That, to me at least, is consciousness or the higher self as the player in the game that we're the video game of life, if you will, yes. where we are avatars running around, they are the player playing the game in, in, in a, yes. a, crude, a crude explanation or, or analogy of it. But I think it kind of solidifies a little bit of what it is. Is that, is that fair? What do you think of that? Yeah, definitely, Alex. Uh, the only catch is that unless you come to the point of realizing that these, these different states, the three states, the awake state, the dream state. So these are not reality, but then there is a divine reality. There is this consciousness uh, which never changes until then your mind keeps on playing those monkey games. It, it, you cannot stop that. And again, Taitriya uh, Upanishad also talks about the five sheets, sheets mm -hmm. of consciousness, mm -hmm. which are, uh, the first one is called the Annamaya Kosha. Annamaya Kosha is your physical self and Annam uh, means food in Sanskrit, it refers to food. So it's made up of your physical body is made up of that. And then you have the Pranamaya Kosha, Pranamaya kosha, uh, kosha means sheath. So that is the oxygen and the energy that is surging through your body. The third one is called Manomaya Kosha. Manomaya Kosha is your mind. So the mind is what keeps on going back and forth. And then you have the Vijnanamaya Kosha, which refers to your cognitive abilities, your skills, and all that. And then finally, you have the Anandamaya Kosha. Anandamaya Kosha is bliss. So until you reach, and Turiya is separate from all these five different uh, sheets of consciousness. When these veils are removed, sheets of when these veils are removed, and a person begins to understand that all this materialism and all this running after and all this competition is just an illusion. And the only thing that is, you are much more than that. Why do I want myself, why do I want to limit myself to an ordinary petty being who's running after so many other things when I am everything so uh, un until a person comes to re realize his or her divine nature life is really very difficult alex it's it's um, 
it's a rat race and um, there's so many anxieties and frustrations and depression so it's 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 very interesting that you say that because you know, even in my own journey, it's taken me a while to figure that out. <laughs> it took me a long time. And it does for many people, you know, it takes time before you figure out that this is, this is not real, what's important in life. And from somebody who was constantly hustling, constantly trying to control and gain and compete with others and all this. But when, as you get older, you start to realize hopefully not everybody but hopefully towards the end when you're about to transition you go wow that seemed like a lot of waste of time we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show everything i did everybody i hurt everybody uh everything i did to accumulate more stuff more things um, there is no U-Haul connected, uh, no packing trailer connected to the to the hearse. Uh, you can't take it with <laughs> yeah. you. You, you yes. really can't take yeah. it with you. And when you understand that, then if you can understand that earlier in life, life becomes a little bit more joyous to work through. So even yes. now to this point where I am at now, it's like how much bigger of a of a box to live in do you need? Um, you know, after a certain level. There are certain things that have to be checked off security, you know, uh, you know, protection from the elements, um, you know, food, things like, you know, a nice place to sleep, you know, a, a comfortable place to sleep. Once you're done with all of that, you know, why do you need a 25,000 square foot home? Like it, I, it, to me, it's a, even if I had a billion or $10 billion, I wouldn't, I would be more mm -hmm. on the Steve Jobs side. Steve Jobs <laughs> lived in a small neighborhood house and he was one of the richest people in the world but he also studied yogananda a lot so there's that <laughs> but it would be uh see i i see those kind of people around me also but it would be really rude of me to go and break their <laughs> break their illusion uh, because it's yeah they will come to learn it when it's the right time for them it doesn't happen uh, it doesn't happen to everybody at the same time. So, but it's also dangerous yeah. to try to break their illusion as well, because if you challenge somebody's delusion or challenge their foundation, that is when things happen. That's why I never preach. I never try to transform anybody in any in any aspect. Like if you like PCs, I'm a Mac person. It's okay. Enjoy your PC. Uh, you know, if you you know, if you want an iPhone or a Samsung, if you want to eat meat or don't eat meat, if you want to believe in this or believe in that, if you start to challenge, that's when problems happen. Now, if they ask you questions, if they become curious, then you might be able to start dabbling yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But you can't even then; you still can't just pull the curtain back because it's too, it's too jarring. Uh, it's yeah. too da it's it's dangerous. It's really dangerous because it could hurt the relationship. It could hurt you. <laughs> but it's interesting to see that. So there are uh, see, enlightenment has become a common term these days. Like many people are talking about enlightenment. So unless you, but there are so many steps you need to uh, you need to pass before you 
reach that particular point of life. So as you say, when you can, you cannot go and tell somebody that uh, these are the these are the facts of life, and you have to listen to. Uh, you will have to understand that. So uh, in consciousness, uh, Sage Valmiki, who wrote the Ramayana, he has given up. He has given up seven steps towards enlightenment. There is a kind of a route to enlightenment. Okay. So you will have to uh, tackle them one by one until you reach uh, that particular place which you are talking about. Mm -hmm. Your uh, uh, That means uh, your ability to give up uh, things. So uh, the first one would be, so to reach this point of enlightenment, the first step is you need to have a longing for that. Unlike a longing for uh, materialism, material things, a longing for enlightenment. So that is called subeksha in Sanskrit. So that would be the first step. And the second would be self-inquiry. So when we see things happening and near-death experiences happening, I mean, there are so many people who are interested in finding out more about these things. But at the same time, there are people who just say, no, uh, it's just hallucination. When it happens to millions of people, still they can say. So <laughs> self-inquiry is a very important uh, aspect. That would be the second stage. Uh, this is given by Taitriya Upanishad. The third one would be uh, Tanu Manasa, which means a weakening of worldly desires, which you and I are discussing about. So it's not necessary that I should have so much to make me happy. I can be happy with enough, whatever is enough for me. As you said, the a basic uh, house, some shelter, and safety. This would be, and the fourth stage would be self self realization, which is called sat satvapati in Sanskrit. So, uh, unless you realize that this is this world is illusory, you cannot come to that understanding. And then comes the stage of detachment, which is called asam sakti. So asam sakti. Uh, shows you gradually to move away from all these step by step. And naturally, when you have this kind of detachment, you travel to the next step, which is cessation of suffering. This is what Buddha was talking about all the time and saying, desire is the root cause of all evil. So cessation of suffering. And finally, you have what is called Turiya. Aturyaka. So that is uh, when you become one with the divine and you don't have all these kind of expectations. I think that stage uh, can be reached only by a very few people. And uh, they are the sages and the ascended masters. And But nowadays, a lot of people are getting into that mindset. What with the climate changes and so many challenges that we are facing today. 
people are beginning to understand that uh, there is something, there is a larger reality behind what we see every day. Oh, yes, there, there's no question. I mean, the explosion of the popularity of the show is a testament to that, you know, it's and yeah. and, and it's not coming from an egotistical place, but I, I look at it from a place of of service and how many people from around the world are are just dying for this information. They're so curious, more so than there was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It seems to be amplifying, meaning that there's yeah. more people. And at the second, you know, it's really interesting. The second that people find out what I do now, they have questions. They don't have damnation. And, and and it's private questions, not public questions. Because one thing is to be public one way, another thing is to be private. But privately, I get conversations about, is this near-death experience stuff real? Is our channelers real? Our mediums real? What did that yogi say on your show? What did that spiritual master say on your show? Are we in a simulation? What does quantum physics have to do with all of this? Like all these kind of very large ideas, people are really curious about because they're starting to wake up and sense, even though they might not understand, they're starting to sense that there is more to this. And do you believe that? I mean, I do believe that we're going through an awakening and there is this great awakening yes. happening on the planet right now. It is happening. But is that feeling where so many people are starting to question established uh, established um, systems that have been in place for hundreds of years, maybe even thousands of years. I mean, you could look at the Catholic Church and the struggles it's been having over the last 20 or 30 years and you know things are going on decline and and our ideas of money, our ideas of economics, our idea of, of competition, what's fair, what's not fair, all that kind of stuff. These are all revolutionary ideas that are starting to just pop up everywhere where when I was a child, there was never even a conversation about this in the public. Yes. I was lucky to be introduced in the, into this, like pushed into this, Alex. My childhood was completely innocent. I was a, I was a total, I mean, uh, protected by Indian parents, protect their children, especially girl children. Girl child is very, very special. I was totally protected and uh... we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You know, my mother's death, uh, that was uh, that was what led me to that. And afterwards, there were there were a lot of things. Instead of praying for my mother, which the Catholic Church generally says, pray for the departed souls. So I had an urge in me to pray to my mother because I believed in her sanctity. I believed that she was a kind of a saint. So I started praying to her. And that was when the magic started happening. There were so many incidents in my life which led to this quest. Uh, I mean, uh, see, people don't believe, my regret is that people don't believe in angels as much as they believe in ghosts. So I, I believe that I always had uh, a presence with me. And now I certainly believe that it was my mother who was with me all the time. And uh, uh, I used to hear a small object, especially when I was 
in deep contemplation and working in the kitchen, I used to hear a small object uh, being moved from one place or just a paper fly from one, pla one place to another. Uh, so many of these things, like for example, I had given a gift of a jewel to uh, a very close relative of mine. And uh, she reported that the jewel had been lost. She couldn't find it wherever she had kept it. So after some time when I visited her and I just had to keep my hand in the locker and I found that jewel there. So, uh, so many synchronicities happened in my life. And it was like, they were, they were wanting me to wake up because I was, I was a very, I was a person who was afraid of everything. Uh, I lived in total fear. And I also believed that I could control, control everything, the people around me, I could save them. But then once, um, when my husband, he was diagnosed with uh, a heart ailment and he had to undergo angioplasty. And we were discussing this very seriously. And the doctor said, said, uh, doctor said immediately if you have pain, report to us. So that was when um, I remember in Eckhart Tolle's book where he says, I wasn't able to live with myself at that point of time. He says, I wasn't able to live with myself. And then he started questioning, then who is the other I who isn't able to live? So that is the part that he questioned. So that was the exact state. And at the time I just surrendered. I just surrendered. I, I prayed to the, that was the first time I prayed to the universe. I prayed to the God saying, I cannot live with this any longer, let me surrender. And afterwards, so many things started happening like magic. And uh, there were so many angels around us. It was unbelievable. So, I mean, uh, we have a lot of support, Alex. There are miracles happening every day around us. And only thing we dismiss them as coincidences. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you this, the, and I agree, the exact same thing happened to me with this show is I surrendered. And the second oh. I surrendered and it okay. started, things started to open up, guests started to show up, success okay. started to happen with this show that I was not, but it was because I surrendered and stopped trying to control. And can you talk, I want you to talk a little bit about this concept of surrender, because especially in the Western mind, there is this idea of control and wanting to control everything because that's the ego's because the ego wants the ego doesn't want you to surrender because then it loses its control its power but when you surrender to a higher higher power than yourself whatever you want to call it the universe god the source whatever when you surrender to it i know people were like well if you surrender to it then how how do you live life you can't just let something else control you that have free will. I mean, all this kind of, these kind of ideas start to creep in. These arguments start to creep in. And my explanation from my own personal point of view, and I'd love to hear yours is like, when you surrender, you do not give up the control of the journey. You give up the control of expectation of what will happen. So you write a book, 
you want it to be read by millions of people. But if the expectation and you try to control that, that's when it doesn't work. But you still have yes. to write the book. And once yeah. you write the book, yes. you give it up like I'm putting it out to the universe, whatever needs to happen for this to do this or whatever this is supposed to do for the best of myself and for the, the world, let that be. And then, but you still have to be active in this process. You cannot just sit down. Definitely. So do you yeah. agree with that? Yes, surrender doesn't mean that you, you don't work for it. For example, when I wanted to move into a new house, I visualized how the, how the house should be. And uh, I had an idea and uh, now, I uh, I love just love this house. I just love this place. So I'm, I had to go go through a lot of hard work. I was definitely helped along the way, but then I don't get frantic about it. I I don't uh, get frustrated about it. I put in all the hard work that I'm supposed to put in, and even the sh the show, this interview, Alex. Uh, how how would how would I? Uh, it is beyond my dreams to be invited to uh, the show and uh, talk to you. But then how does it materialize and why didn't it happen earlier? So hmm. there is nothing, nothing that, it, it is simply not in my hands. So uh, things happen when they're supposed to happen. And when you surrender, um, see, that is, why the Course in Miracles is very, very relevant because it shows you how the ego can manipulate you. The ego can say that uh, there is a quote in the Course in Miracles which goes like this. The ego shows you, tells you that it can oppose God's will and present its own will as a gift to you. But how can we oppose God's will? We, we, uh, God's will can never be opposed. So, uh, so the ego keeps telling you that, can, that you can fight against the situation and somehow make things happen. So surrender is having faith in God and also doing your part at the same time. Because sometimes when you keep on struggling and struggling and fighting, then it becomes more difficult. So there is uh, this idea of going with the flow, uh, which means that you surrender and let things happen after you've done your best. Right. So it's it's the is the attachment to outcome is the problem. Is yes. that is the biggest problem we have is because if you have this attachment to outcome, you want that's a, a form of control. You want to control it, yeah. and most of us are walking up river upstream, and it's very yeah. difficult. But the water is going to continue to run no yes. matter what you do. So if anyone's ever yeah. tried to walk upstream in a river, yes. you will understand how futile it is. And you might be strong yes. at the beginning. You might last an hour. You might last a day walking up. But at a certain point, you get tired yes. and you, you lie down and you let the water take you where it's going to take you mm -hmm. anyway. As long as I was resisting things in my life, I found it very difficult and also there was so much psychological stress mm. uh, that mm. was building up inside me. Yeah. So when I, and that is a stage where you place real trust in God, isn't it? So when you surrender, 
you to do this show was one of the scariest things I've ever had to do in my life because I was so fearful of losing everything I had done because I hadn't come out of the spiritual closet yet. So once I surrendered, it taught me so much about the nature of reality because things happen and continue to happen with me in this show that are completely out of my control. I do not control the algorithm of YouTube. Uh, I do not control how people are finding me. These are things that I have no control over whatsoever, but yet it continues to happen. And yet it continues to grow. And yet things are happening that are completely out of my control once I let go. And then I started seeing it in other aspects of my life. And then when things do, a, a, some, you know, when something negative comes into, into the path, I look at it as an opportunity to grow as opposed to, oh, woe is me. Look what just happened to me. And it's not always easy. I'm not perfect yet. You know, it, this, is, this is a process. We're all learning on this. You know, we're not all perfect. But you start looking at things a little bit differently and go, okay, well, this has been placed in my path. Why? Why is this here? What do I have to learn? How do I approach this? Okay, what are the lessons that I'm really needing to learn here? Because I don't want to do this again. And these are the way I the way I walk the path now. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. As opposed to the way I used to, where it'd be fighting and very male energy of like, I have to control, I have to dominate, I have to compete, I have to do all of that. And at a certain point, as at least as, as I've gotten older, it's become much easier to do this <laughs> yeah yes and you are in a kind of a blissful state when you allow that to take over you instead of feeling disappointed all the time yeah absolutely that helps yeah so uh, uh, one last question i have for you um where do you think the future of mankind is going with this great shift So I think many of us have got into this uh, uh, into this bandwagon of consciousness. Um, and I, I have a question for you, Alex. Yes. When would the bigger, I mean, uh, the biggies really get involved in this? Because there are so many exciting things happening in near-death experiences which could be made into movies like The Secret or The Soul or even The Ghost, which was an interesting movie. Oh, yeah. It's an old movie though. So this is the most interesting phase of humanity. And when, uh, when, is, when are people who are of consequence going to take this uh, opportunity and uh, take it to the masses because I believe when people realize that materialism is just a delusion so then they would uh, I mean it's not as easy as I might make it sound but still the message once the message even wars could be prevented so I am hopeful for humanity because with so many near-death experiences and people coming back with the messages saying we were asked to speak about this to uh, as many people. So this was, 
many people, I've heard many people say, I was afraid to speak about this for 20 or 25 years. And now I've come out of the closet and mm -hmm. I, I'm speaking about this. So uh, there is a larger picture. I'm, I'm, I'm definite that something good is going to happen with all these things. I would, yeah. I would agree with you that, and I've spoken to many of them that is like, I haven't spoken about this in 20 years, but I decided to finally come out and talk about this. And, and I hear that again and again and again, but what is it about now that is allowing people to do this? Like, and I've said this on the show before as well, is that this show wouldn't have worked 20 years ago or 30 years ago. It, it would have been a very difficult thing. There might've not been the audience that is ravenous now for this information wasn't yes. around 20 or 30 years ago you know now it's becoming much more i mean if you if you just type in the word near-death experience on youtube my god i mean there is so much information now where that that was talked about like you're crazy you're insane these ideas that we're talking about so freely now were looked upon even a decade or two ago as you're on the outskirts, you're on the, you're 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 on the fringe of society, talking about near death experiences and channeling and Christ consciousness, and you're a whack job. Where in today's world, there's more and more people, not only accepting these conversations but want these conversations in their lives, so they can truly look inward, and 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 what did you say? The I think it was the second uh, self inquiry. Uh, to, to, to do self-inquiry yeah exactly yeah. to to really start asking these deeper questions and i do think that the pandemic did shake the world up yes. with that because we all had to stop for a minute yes. and go wait a minute i kind of like spending time with my family yeah. i don't want to work and commute two hours a day uh, you know these all these questions started to come up and it was a a, a jarring for the world i've never seen anything like that just the whole yes. world stopped yeah. for a month or two. So, yeah. It was a blow to humanity, though it was a blow to humanity on the one side. It like shook us, it like made us sit up and uh, and even a nature around us seemed to be, it seemed to have more freedom at that point because we were over-exploiting our natural resources and the birds were coming out when human beings had to stay indoors. So, uh, and what, what did, what message did we get? What message, did we get the message that the earth is also a conscious being and we are doing so much to hurt the earth. For example, in 18, uh, 18 not one, when Thomas Young spoke about the nature of reality. So the dual nature of uh, particles, of atoms, people did not believe him. And now today, Clauser, he, he has got Nobel Prize for physics for uh, his work on quantum entanglement. So, uh, but then how do we get the message across to people? So what, what was discussed before two centuries has come to fruition now. In it's a slow process. It's yes. a slow, slow process. So, and, and people still to this day um, in the old school of physics are like, oh, this quantum physics stuff is ridiculous. We yes. can't, it doesn't go along with our materialistic 
point of view constant yeah, yeah we, we can't we can't allow it but and and for yes. for over 100 years there's been honestly not a lot of of advances in quantum physics because there's just been this fight against it because it doesn't yes. make sense to them quantum entanglement yes. completely throws materialism out the door and they cannot yeah. wrap their head so just like galileo look through the telescope we will not look through the telescope we will kill you <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but just look the information's right there look 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 nope we will not look yeah. through the telescope and that's where we are now i think in many ways unlike uh bruce lipton and greg braden sure. so there are very few people who I've, i just watch their shows i just uh even on your podcast i watch their shows they're absolutely brilliant but then yeah we are making at least we are making a headway in that direction yeah we... and i Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No. I think that people, uh, uh, there are many old souls coming back. Mm-hmm. These old souls come with more knowledge. And that is why I, I presume that they can accept these things better than people who are like, uh, who are older or senior. These young, these young souls, uh, these young children, even though they are young they have so much uh, inbuilt in them so they are able to accept all these things so i have children i know what you're talking about it this new <laughs> the new generation coming up are accepting concepts that took yes. me years to figure out and understand but for them they're just like mm-hmm. what do you mean <laughs> you know we we shouldn't what you, what is racism like they 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 can't grasp the concept to it they're like yeah. really is that a thing oh wow yeah. It, it, it's these these bigger ideas uh, that have, we're fighting against. They're just like, no, of course, of course. It, I ho- I'm hopeful as well. I'm hopeful as well, Rosalind. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all my guests. What is your uh, definition of living a fulfilled life? A fulfilled life is a life with your close, your family, close ones, and doing as much you can to the best of your ability for the people who who are close around you you everybody might not be able to uh, do a lot of social work for example my husband is a social worker he goes out of his way to help people people who he meets on the road and but then i don't i don't have the opportunity to do that but then even doing random acts of kindness uh, whenever i have the opportunity that would really make a person that is my idea of a fulfilled life we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show how do you define god god is now that i've come to believe that god is an integral part of me i feel very close to him and god has come to my rescue so many times so my love for god is unconditional just like his love for me he loves me or she how were you <laughs> and what is the ultimate purpose of life the ultimate purpose of life near death experiences say that this life which we find so challenging is really an exciting opportunity 
and uh, it gives us so many flavors and tastes. But then oh, many of us struggle so much here. So it depends on what you, I think that, uh, I think life is very exciting. It, 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 it's interesting to say the least. Yes. <laughs> it's extremely interesting. And where can people find out more about you and uh, the books that you've written as well? Uh, my books, you can find them on Amazon.in and Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. And I've written another, the third book, Co-Create with Your Universe. So that also uh, can be found on Amazon all over the world. And in India, you can find my books on Notion Press or Amazon.in. And do you have any final words for our audience, Russell? Be happy, be satisfied, because you are much larger than what society has con conditioned you to be. So whatever your circumstance, believe that you are, you are a part of the source. So that would be my parting words to Rosalind, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been such a wonderful conversation and I truly hope it helps somebody out there listening uh, to start walking the path of self-inquiry and closer to source, universe, or God, whatever they like to call it. But I appreciate you and the work that you're doing in the world, my dear. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alex. It was wonderful to be on the show. Thank you. I want to thank Rosalina so much for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash two five three and if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations please subscribe to our youtube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash youtube thank you so much for listening and remember trust the journey it is here to teach you i'll talk to you soon